Hi, my name is Robert McMahon. I'm the Connection Director here at Covenant Church, and I'm thrilled that you're listening. If you're checking us out for the first time, welcome. We're so glad that you're here, and I'd like to take this chance to invite you to let us know that you're tuning in today. We'd love nothing more than to help you start building meaningful relationships and to join you on the journey of faith. Just go to bgcovenant.org connect and let us know how we can be in touch. With that said, let's dive in and listen together to this week's message. Um, my name is Robert McMahon, and I'm the Connection Director here at Covenant Church, uh, really serving those who serve in several of our different volunteer teams uh, here on a Sunday morning uh, as we all as a community pursue our mission together. Uh, and today we'll be continuing our 50th series where we're celebrating this community uh, and this milestone of 50 years. It's a, it's a really wonderful thing. Taking a look back at who we've been through those 50 years and forward at who we're becoming and really what we're committed to keeping as we pursue uh, year 100. Uh, it's, the series sort of reminds me of uh, when I hear a fully grown adult say, you know, I wonder what I'm going to be when I grow up. <laughs> we all kind of laugh um, because it's funny that you are grown up. That's the thing. But we know what they mean because, yes, you've got lots of years, but also there's a lot of life left. And so what are you going to do with it? Um, it wasn't that long ago when uh, Jenny, my wife, and myself were kind of in that season coming out of college when we were asked that question for real. <laughs> it really was not that long ago. Um, and I love when Jenny uh, tells her story of that season in her life, coming out of college, excited, but also, what, what's coming next? What's, what's down the pike? Um, she in that season, really wrestled with God to try to figure out, what do I do? What do I want to do? What do I feel called to do? What opportunities are there available for me to do? Um, and her story's kind of funny, especially when you compare it to her siblings. Uh, she's got two older siblings, one oldest sister and an older brother. Her older sister, uh, when she was figuring out what she wanted to do, she says, I want to be a nurse. So her parents, we can do that, send her to a good nursing school graduates, guess what? She's a nurse. Her older brother says, I'd like to be an engineer. Okay, we'll send you to a good engineering school. Send him off to an engineering school. He is an engineer. Jenny bounces onto the scene. <laughs> she says, I don't know. I, I think I'd like to be a camp counselor or I don't, uh, maybe plan something. I want to have fun. Can I have fun? And her parents are like, yeah, dear, we can do that. Uh, where do we send her? What do we do? What is that even called? Um, and they actually did find a spot for her at BGSU studying, studying tourism, hospitality, and event management. Um, but even then, when she found her spot, she still wasn't quite sure, well, what do you do with that? It's such a big field. Um, God, during college, really drew her closer to himself. Uh, and strengthened and deepened uh, their relationship. And she found herself also really desiring, how do I help other people do that? What does that look like? Um, if you know her, you know she's a Disney fanatic, and she interned her one of her final semesters in college at Disney, uh, and she loved that she got to bring joy to people's faces in the happiest place on earth. She found herself in the entertainment industry saying, yes, yes, this is what I love. This is the kind of thing I want to do. And also, how do I bring people closer to God? 
She found herself in the entertainment industry. I can make people feel really good. How do I bring them closer to God? What makes the difference there? How do I do that? Jenny was looking for a different kind of hospitality. And it's something this morning that we're going to call gospel hospitality. Today we'll be reading in Mark chapter 2, where Jesus is at the beginning of his public ministry, and he's been bouncing from town to town, teaching and healing, uh, and really he's making time for people. And in this particular moment that we'll be looking at, I think what we'll find is a really beautiful picture of gospel hospitality. So if you would, read with me in Mark chapter 2. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon, the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole. They dug a hole through the roof above Jesus' head. Then they lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? Kind of an impossible question. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the door through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed, praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this. This story about the paralytic really is about Jesus. Big picture stuff here. Jesus is the true and only Savior. And he's coming out in this moment saying, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. This is me. And he goes deeper, we see, then our deepest longings even. The friends lower him, this is the moment, he's going to be healed, and he says, your sins are forgiven. And it's like, that's, I don't know, you saw the whole effort, that's not what we were trying to, to make see happen here, but he goes deeper than our deepest longings and proves in front of the religious leader that I am the guy. And they're looking at each other going, yeah, but only God can do that. And he says, yep, now you're getting it. That's what the story is about. It's about him. But also mentioned, and what can't be overlooked, is the incredible feat these friends go through. They don't just get to the door and go, oh, well, maybe next time. They dig a hole through the roof. (laughs) And Jesus sees that and makes a note. The friends do for their paralytic friend what he couldn't do for themselves and express this desperation to get him in front of Jesus. I think this is hospitality in its most beautiful form. 
they're participating in gospel hospitality. And gospel hospitality is more than entertainment. But it's actively making space for another and then trusting Jesus to do what only he can do. And I think that's what covenant is about, really. I've experienced it. I've talked to so many people who have also experienced it. We are a people of gospel hospitality. Uh, In the first month or two, when Jenny and I were first checking out this place, we were newer to town, uh, we were regularly invited to sit around dining room tables over meals, and we were able to taste the deliciousness of a secret special pie, and it was a whole thing. Like People were hospitable to us. But the people that stand out the most, in my mind, when I think about that season, are the two people we met in the first eight minutes of us walking through the door. We sat maybe in about the fourth row, and we were beginning to wonder if maybe we had the service time wrong, because it was only about 10 minutes before service was starting, and there were like three people in here. (laughs) I don't know, maybe you've experienced that. And maybe you've experienced it in other places. you know what it's like when you're early somewhere. Maybe you're the first to a movie theater. Uh, you got a great seat because you're the first one in that place. But you're kind of wondering, do I munch on my popcorn? Knowing fully well that even if I got the extra large, it's going to be gone before the previews are even over. Or maybe airport security wasn't quite as uh, tasking as it could have been. But... Now you're extra early to your departing gate, right? And it's a good thing you brought some things to do with you while you're on the plane, because what do you do? Just sitting there and a bunch of strangers, I just gotta pass the time. In these kind of moments when we're early, we're just looking and desperate for some sort of personal convenience to just pass the time, because that's, that's what our lives are full of, personal conveniences. Oh, I can't be inconvenienced in this moment. What's, what's the next thing? What is it? What is it? We're faced with... I need a personal convenience. I'm not sure what to do. But Jenny and I are here, our first time here, and apparently we're early. And people came and sat down in front of us, also early apparently. They're like the fourth people now. And they turned around. What are you doing? That, that's not what we expect. I don't think you understand how this works. We're supposed to just, you know, is there a bulletin I can... <laughs> You're not supposed to turn around. It's kind of like if you're in that movie theater situation and the second guy that comes in the movie theater, remember, you're the first, sits down in front of you because you got the best seat, so he might as well have the second best seat, and then turns around and says, hey, so what's your name? You're like, uh, did you forget to buy popcorn or can I give you some of mine? Or what? I don't think you understand how this works. We just expect as a society that in these types of moments that Everybody's just looking out for themselves. They're looking out for your own personal convenience. And yet, John and Wendy Cuckler, who sit down in front of us, turn around. Maybe you know them. There they are. (laughs) I was telling somebody else this story uh, earlier this morning, and they said, that was my first visit. John and Wendy Cuckler turned around. These two turn around, and they're not just passing time because they're looking for their next convenience. Meet us. And they wanted us to feel more like we were at home than strangers in an airport terminal. 
And guess where we sat the next several weeks? Right behind John and Wendy in the fourth row because, because of them, they made that our spot. That was our place. They made that space for us. And I know that they had plenty of other people to talk to on a Sunday. They've got plenty of other friends, but they made time for us every single week just for us. They inconvenienced themselves for us to make a meaningful connection. If Sunday to the Cucklers was just another place offered for their convenience, why would they do any more than maybe smile and nod in our direction? But what the Cucklers understand so beautifully is just like the friends of the paralytic, is that Jesus is in town. (laughs) And so much more than a handful of popcorn is possible. John and Wendy show up Sunday mornings just like they do the rest of their week, looking for opportunities actually to inconvenience themselves, to make space for others to experience Jesus, to watch Jesus work, because just wait, Jesus and anything is possible. Gospel hospitality looks like this. It looks like turning around when facing forward is what's expected, because gospel hospitality welcomes inconvenience. But we love our convenience, right? Pastor Craig Rochelle, uh, in his most recent book, writes this. He says, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thought. So, how do we think about people? We almost actually don't even recognize how we think about convenience and people because it just kind of ends up being the thing, that's just how things are. And I love it too. I love convenience. I love that I can pull up to a tiny little window and grab my dinner right out of it because I didn't feel like cooking tonight. Oh, and that 16-ounce bottle of Pepsi that costs $3 instead of the $1 that it costs at Walmart to buy an entire liter of cola, that's okay, because I bought it at a convenience store. And yeah, that extra couple bucks, that's called a convenience fee. And we're just okay with this, because that's just how things are. We expect it. We love it. But if we think that people, if the way that we think about people is that they're just in our way, on our way to our next convenience, just an inconvenience to be avoided, I think we're actually missing out on some beautiful moments to see and experience Jesus at work. Throughout the scriptures, we see that Jesus is showing us what he thinks about people, and it's less like people are in the way and more like people are hurting and valuable and worth your time. And if I want my life to look like his, then I got to deal with his love for people, and I want to think about people the way I know he thinks about me, because guess what? I'm people. But if we love our convenience more than facing forward and eating popcorn, that's fine. But gospel hospitality welcomes inconvenience. I mentioned my wife has a degree in this stuff. She went to college for hospitality. She's got a closet full of platters that tear and pitchers and things, and her heart grows three sizes instantly. Anytime there's somebody's coming over, here we go, and the closet opens, and we're doing the thing. She's ready. 
when we first got the keys to our house, Jenny invited every one of our coworkers to come over that night. <laughs> and all we had was a little lopsided, couple of lopsided stools and a camping chair that we had brought in. But she was ready. Let's do it. Come on over. She's ready to host. And we dreamed together of building relationships with our neighbors over our dining room table and having them over and doing this whole thing. But actually, as time went on, we found we really weren't extending invitations. Uh, and I mostly blame me because, you see, our carpet, you know, the journey of homeownership, making those small improvements, our carpet, when it was humid, you know, kind of like today, would emit this odor that smelled exactly like the dogs of our previous owners, oddly enough. I really believe that if we had a blind smell test, that I could probably pick out our previous owner's dogs because we just became acquainted with, that's yeah, humid today. Hmm. And because of that, I was unwilling to make a dinner invitation, and I would make up excuses like, oh, I don't know, I'm kind of tired tonight, and eh, maybe not tonight, because I didn't want people to come over and smell our stinky carpet. I wanted us to get new floors, and then that's the time. That's the time we'll do it. And it really sounds very silly to admit that in front of all of you. <laughs> but these are the kinds of things that get stuck in our heads sometimes. And guess the direction that my life went? Not inviting people over. Jenny is a very hospitable person. And guys, I got to tell you this. <laughs> this is a real thing that actually happened. At the beginning of the year, I had COVID, and it was fine. And a few months later, Jenny, <laughs> this is actually a thing that she said. She says, in kind of this moment of realization and pondering and disappointment, she says, you know, we're in the same household, right? Yes, yes, we are. Um, and you had COVID, and I didn't. Do you think that makes me a bad host? <laughs> you mean for the deadly plague? <laughs> no, what are you talking about? Jenny is concerned about being a good host to a virus. And I'm worried about people smelling our stinky carpet. We've got a little separation here. Jenny longs for the beauty found in inconveniently making space for others. Her hospitable heart is beautiful, even if it's to a virus. And while I might like the sound of that, I'm actually more concerned about what people think of me if I let them into my space. Jenny is making space for others, and my space is really just about me. And I think that that's a lot of us. Maybe you are like Jenny or John and Wendy, but maybe you're like me, and I know that I need to hear and be reminded regularly that you can change the way other people see you. Or you can be a host that makes space for change. But the beauty of Jesus at work is only found in one of them, and it's probably not in boosting your reputation. Gospel hospitality requires a love for others that is greater than your love for self. Digging through the roof. Let's go back there. Literally digging through the roof. Talk about making space. These guys are not making friends. Absolutely not. Forget new floors. 
Somebody is literally going to need a new roof over their head because of these guys. And what inspires me about these friends is that unlike me on my worst days, they're so desperate, so ready to love their friend and make this space for them that they're going to do it probably at the expense of their reputation. They're not going to find themselves probably at that guy's dinner table. Have you seen these around people's necks? Maybe in the foyer. Or in cooler weather, kind of the form-fitting bright red shirt that says the same thing. Which I've been told, by the way, is probably not the pinnacle of Sunday morning fashion, but it's okay. And the Connect team wears them every single Sunday. Why? Because the Connect team is full of gospel, hospitable people because they're not trying to love the way they look. They are looking for ways to love others, for real. They're dedicated to that, and they're going to wear it every Sunday because it's a representation of that readiness. They're dedicated for making space and connections with people and ultimately making space for us to encounter Jesus this morning. So when you see someone wearing one of these, no, it's not just a chintzy lanyard. This is a badge of honor because there's no higher calling than that. And you know two people who you'll see regularly wearing one of these? John and Wendy Cuckler. I actually love what one church in Atlanta calls this team. We call it the Connects team. It's kind of our hospitality team. This team, this church calls them door holders. And it sounds a little demeaning at first, but if you think about it, how much skill does it take to hold a door? Not a lot. That's something anyone can do, right? But I actually think that's the beauty of why they call them door holders, because anyone can do it. And you don't have to be standing at the door to do it either. Here's how they explain. We say door holders instead of volunteers, because volunteers can sound like people who randomly sign up and hopefully show up while door, while door holders take ownership and take great pleasure in opening a way for others to see and experience Jesus. Because these are people who've been on the inside. They've experienced Jesus and are willing to open the door for others to be welcomed in. And that can apply to literally anyone inconveniencing a moment of their lives to experience Jesus. Right now, there are real people, real families joining us online. This space, wherever you're joining us from, this space is for you if you're joining us online. And it's made possible because literally right now, Jackie Burns is staring at me because she's operating the cameras and she's overseeing the technical aspect of the live stream to make this sure that this space even exists for us to share together. Oh, and also in the chat, we have Nancy Aridan and later Madison Bezdecek who are there with you in the chat. These three people together are making this space for you and they're sharing it with you. And we hope that you'll experience Jesus today while you're here. Did you enjoy coffee this morning? I mean, once you've got here. Somebody showed up around 8.30 or so, and they brewed it. And they stayed there 
and greeted you as you had it because it wasn't just about the coffee. They were holding the door open for you to experience Jesus today. As people continue to step up and serve on the Covenant students team, those are door holders making space for our middle schoolers and high schoolers to experience Jesus regularly. I mentioned anybody wearing this badge, but it's not just a Sunday thing. Keep watch as an example of that. You think John and Wendy are only wearing this on Sunday mornings? No, they're wearing it everywhere they go, figuratively. Passion City calls it being a door holder, and we're calling it gospel hospitality. And gospel hospitality isn't defined by a bubbly personality to impress people. It's not defined by a specific task, like holding a door. It's not found on one day of a week, and it's not found in a degree for hospitality but it's a resolve to use your life to open up the way for someone to experience Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt that brings out the God flavors of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God's not a secret to be kept. We are going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you here on a hilltop on a light stand, shine and listen to what he suggests. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Jesus invites us to be salt and light, to open our lives for others because he is our one and only hope. Thinking of the friends bringing their paralytic friend, he was the one and only hope. They had to be the salt and light so the thing could happen. And man, if we really believed that Jesus is the light of the world, that he's the only one, as we sang this morning, who turns graves into gardens, mourning to dancing, makes beauty from ashes, that he's the only one who can, then we should be desperate like these friends, desperate to bring others to his feet. And it might mean making some inconvenient space in our lives. Because he's the only one who can do what he can do. And we're not called to be the Savior, but there's a beautiful part that we've been invited to play. God's co-hosts in the world. Gospel hospitality, then, is co-hosting. It's co-hosting with Jesus, desperately trusting him to do what only he can do. And that kind of takes the pressure off. Henry Nouwen puts it another way when he says, hospitality actually isn't to change people, but to offer them space where change can happen. Jesus is the only one who can make the real change that we really need, but he invites us to make the space. So, if we are people defined by gospel hospitality, then you better believe that we'll be a people that turns around when facing forward is what's expected.
you better believe that we'll see people wearing this badge and volunteering in so many different teams here on a Sunday, practicing the rhythm of gospel hospitality so that it's already on our mind and our mindset is set for the rest of the week and wherever we go. If we're defined by our gospel hospitality, then we're not just looking to entertain. We're not concerned about our stinky carpet more than we are about the fragrance of Jesus in the room. I don't know what you need to do with all of this this morning, but we are all invited into this beautiful participation with Jesus, the only one. For 50 years, Covenant has been this place of gospel hospitality, a people marked by gospel hospitality, and will be a people who carries on that legacy because it's the mission that Jesus invites us to join him in, to actively make space for others and to watch him do what only he can do. Would you pray with me? God, we need you. Our world needs you. And that you would invite us to be a part of you bringing you to the world boggles my mind. I'm worried about stinky carpet, but you want me. You want us. So Lord, as you continue to be at work, as you continue to draw the world closer to yourself, Lord, would you, would you use us? Would you show us ways that we can participate, spaces we can create for you? I thank you for this community who's been a place where that's taking place. I pray that you would draw us closer to you in the process because we know that our world is blind and Lord, without you, we would be the blind ones too. So Jesus, we thank you and we ask you to be with us and to show us ways to be gospel hospitable people. In your name, amen.